Podcasting from deep within the great pit of Carcoon, this is the Dubac Discussion Podcast. Your source for Star Wars news, theories, and reviews. With your hosts, TJ Bowser, Logan LeBegg, and Jared Bachman-Stubbs. and welcome to episode 34 of the Do Back Discussion Podcast. This is your host, TJ Bowser, and joining me as always is... Jared, the Dark Jedi. What's up, buddy? Uh, We are 169 days out from Star Wars Celebrations Chicago, 423 days out from Star Wars Episode 9. So, Jared, how was your week? Give it to me. I have done nothing but play Soul Calibur (laughs) 6. Here we go. I've it is I am having so much fun. Um, my uh, little brother, his birthday party is uh, is uh, the the Saturday, and um, it, it kind of became a little bit of a tradition for a while that right after the release of Soul Calibur uh, four and five, or not right after the release of four, because I came to that party late. But basically, I would always make my friends in the character creation. And then whenever I had people over for parties and stuff, it basically became a tournament with our own care. Um, and I did the same for, uh, Logan's party. And with the new one coming out, a bunch of his friends were like, Hey, I can't wait to see what we do for character creation. So I was up kind of late last night, making some of his friends who were going to be at the party. Um, the one kid, because he's a, total shit lord um in the best way he's just a meme lord i i went all out and i gave him like the bondage outfit and a horse head and a furry tail and angel wings and jesus christ yeah it's just ball everybody else is just like balls to the wall like edgy anime shit but like i was like okay okay joey you're gonna enjoy this kid but yeah i'm just having the time of my life with character creation my friend made like a shit ton of anime characters after I fell asleep the one night um, and Asajj Ventress and it looks really good and like I've been playing Soul Calibur for like eight years he picked it up that night and he's already making better characters than me so I'm a little heartbroken but other than that it's all for me look what I just retweeted on our Twitter oh no <laughs> it's pretty good it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Is it on the Dubac Twitter or your Twitter? Dubac. Oh boy. Hold on. It's a fucking doozy. Well, anyway, my week was pretty good. I got my general veers came in on Friday. I spent a lot of time with my girlfriend Sarah. Uh what else did I do? Uh Saturday I went out to the Berg. Had a little fun there. Uh, got really sick on Sunday for an unknown reason. I'm going to guess it was Mongolian Grill. Uh, but other than that, just been working and uh, waiting to do this show. Leia wishes Poe was the son that she had. <laughs> hey, also... Uh, When's my name going to be in the bio, bud? I have no idea. I just realized that. <laughs> I didn't even notice it until now. I'm just bullshitting you. Don't that's worry awesome. about it. I'm just yanking your chain, buddy. Yeah, that's pretty old. Uh, this hasn't been updated since... Uh, Ever. <laughs> Ever. I'm just messing with you. I didn't. I realized I came across, that may have come across serious. I was just bullshitting you. It's okay. Uh, so you want to take away the first topic, Jared, since you uh, yes. seem to be on this. Also bring up the thing that I mentioned pre-show about Grievous. Oh, yeah. Here. It's loading up. All right. So um, this past week, EA and DICE came out, and um, I didn't consider it an announcement because I feel like we already – knew that the voice actors for the uh, prequel characters coming to Battlefront 2 were going to be voiced by their Clone Wars counterparts. So Matt Lanter is going to be playing Anakin. Um, Corey Burton is going to be playing Count Dooku. 
Uh, Matthew Wood is going to be voicing Grievous, and James Arnold Taylor will be voicing Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, they said that they've basically all been in the uh, studio for a while. Obi-Wan and Anakin are going to have their friendly banter going on, all the stuff we've been really looking forward to hearing. And they also shared some of Obi-Wan and Grievous's voice lines. Um, and they are as follows. Uh, Grievous has, you are a bold one. Your lightsabers will make a fine addition to my collection. You must realize you are doomed. I wield great power, Jedi fool. The story of Obi-Wan ends here. Make peace with the Force now, for this is your final outing. And then this next one is actually a throwback to OG Battlefront 2. Your screams are like music to my audio receptors. Say that how Grievous would say it. Huh? Say that. Do your best Grievous impression. Your screams are like music to my audio receptors. (laughs) 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 They gotta have that cough in there, buddy. (laughs) And finally, the Kalish are not known for their mercy. Yeah, I like that one the best. And then Obi-Wan's are, hello there, so uncivilized. Why do I get the feeling you're going to be the death of me? When I cut you in half, I should have aimed for your neck instead. You haven't exactly impressed me today. The strongest defense is a swift and decisive offense. I understand you've had some troubles recently. Ugh, like bathing in a lake of venomites. And then, uh, as TJ said, apparently they were toying around with adding Grievous pre-suit as a skin for him. Like pre-droid Grievous. Like yeah, back whenever like, he was a Kalish general. Like, you know, the, the, the power-hungry <laughs> warlord. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can't remember what his real name was. It was, they had, they, it's in Legends. Like, it's in the, uh, it's in, what book is it? Labyrinth of Evil. Is that about Grievous? Yeah. <laughs> No, it's about Labyrinth of Evil takes place like right before Revenge of the Sith. Oh, okay. And it's like it's one of those books where like, yeah, on the surface, it's a war drama about the Clone War and like the final days of it. But it's also like kind of a comedy of error every time it hops back to the separatist side of things. Because <laughs> they explore that business on Cato Nemordia that doesn't doesn't count. Yeah. And basically Obi-Wan and Anakin were like on the cusp of being able to capture voice, uh, vice Roy Gunray. He gets away, but he leaves behind that like hollow, hollow projector chair. Yeah. that Grievous always contacted him with. And then he realizes it by the time it's too late and the Jedi have it and they're getting ready to like break it down and scan it and be like, okay, where are these transmissions being sent from? Okay. And then they realize it's happening from the basement of like 300 Republica, which is the Senate building. Yeah. And then then Palpatine contacts uh, Dooku and Grievous. He's not Grievous because Grievous didn't know he was Palpatine. But Sidious contacts Dooku. He's like, okay, okay, okay. They're about to find this out. Fuck. We need to, you need to get me (laughs) off planet. You need to get me off planet. Invade Coruscant. Fuck it. Invade Coruscant. Fuck it. Kidnap me. Kidnap me. That's all we can do. Fucking kidnap me. (laughs) And like, and it's just this, like, throwing – just the, the Sith throwing everything at the wall that might fucking work. It's, like, it, on paper, It, it makes Palpatine hilarious. look less uh, – I don't know. Uh, it, it shows that he was he didn't have his shit together as much as we thought. No, it's uh, – he did have his shit together. It was just one of those, like, how fragile the grand plan was. Yeah, that's very true. That like all it takes is a dipshit like Gunray, Gunray doing some dumb shit. I feel like those Nemodians fuck up everything. <laughs> Kinda, but yeah, just Palpatine just frankly goes, "Fucking kidnap me, get me off planet." <laughs> and then the the whole battle of Coruscant and all the like hundreds of thousands of millions of lives lost in the crossfire <laughs> <laughs> was just was just Plan B for Palpatine. <laughs> He's a fucking weirdo. What else? Uh, is that all we got? Uh, for the Battlefront story, yeah, sounds like it. And then obviously uh, Grievous is being added in a week. Oh, buddy. What's the official release date for General Grievous? The 30th. Okay. I will look to that with great 
pleasure. Okay. Mark Hamill says that the Force killed Luke in The Last Jedi. So He's wrong. I, you, you can have an opinion. You can have an opinion on this. But we'll talk about it, okay? Okay. <laughs> uh, let me adjust some levels here. Uh, Mark Hamill said the Force killed Luke Skywalker at the end of The Last Jedi. Uh, likening Luke to a drug addict that overdoses after going clean for decades. Mark said this in a tweet that includes frames from Gary Witta's The Last Jedi comic book adaptation of the film showing Luke's final moments after using a force projection from Octo. Uh, to quote his tweet directly, The force killed Luke. You have to acknowledge the irony in his fate. Also, like an act that kicked the, the habit cold turkey, remained clean for decades. Only to reuse just once and then tragically overdoses. Hashtag sad Skywalker. Hashtag force fatality. Hashtag Jedi junkie. What the fuck, Mark? Boy, okay. Um, <laughs> first of all, how, the way he described the force as a drug. <laughs> I just picture like, like Mark, not like Mark, but like Luke sitting up on top of that rock. He's just like smacking his veins. He's just like... Uh, Oh yeah, feel the force, baby. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> the hilarious thing, and like this is always what happens whenever like one of the actors tries to have like a hot take on how the force works. Yeah, and like I don't mean to sound like that pompous fanboy, <laughs> but <beer>. like <laughs> uh, yeah, get the audio clip already for Han and the Force Awakens. That's not how the force works, <laughs> but like that's not how the force works. Um. But that's how the dark side works, which I think is hilarious. Like that is that is why most Sith look like meth heads, is because the dark side just rips your body apart. The force. That's not how the Force works. <laughs> Listen to Harrison, Mark. Listen to Harrison. Um, but. Obviously, nothing but respect for him. I think I've said on this podcast that I would cry if I ever met him. But, um, yeah, no, that's not how that works. It's how the dark side works, though. So you're close. Um, and I think I, he shared that on Instagram as well. And I think I com- and I commented on it on Instagram, I believe. Um, but I, I always perceived and interpreted that scene as his body giving out from the strain. Uh, and I felt like the movie made it really obvious between him, like, panting and grabbing at his chest. Hold, hold on. Roman Reigns had to give up the title last night because his leukemia came back. Oh, no. That's sad. What the fuck? I'm oh, sorry. We're on IGN reading from this article here. And I saw it over there. <laughs> what the fuck? Okay. That also, is why I put my phone down after I read the articles. Yeah, it's because I know I'll get, I know I'll catch a related article and start <laughs> flipping through. Oh, I've, I've done that before, and I almost like missed the topic because of it. Um, that's sad. Anyway, continue yeah. about Luke Skywalker and his overdose. Uh, <laughs> no, but like they make it really clear in the movie, it's his body giving out. Like Kylo Ren even says in the beginning. You're not doing this. The effort alone would kill you. Yeah. Whenever he and Ray have their force bond. So clearly projecting yourself across the galaxy is no mean feat. It wasn't easy to do in Legends either. So you have an old man who hasn't used the force in whoever knows how long. Whose first real force feat out the gate is to try to project himself across the galaxy. Yeah. It's no surprise that his body just went, okay, and we're done now. Good job, Luke. We're going to go do the whole ghost thing now. Because holy shit. <laughs> so, like, that's how I always perceived it. And I don't want to be that guy and start bringing up the toxic fans and shit. But, like, he opened the door to so oh, much dumb shit. He has. Like, I was like, okay... I was like, I will bet every penny I have in the fucking bank uh-huh. on the first comment I see when I click to look at this whole thread is going to be some asshole making a joke about how the voice didn't kill, Ryan, kill, kill Luke Skywalker, Ryan Johnson did. 
And if I had actually made that bet, I'd have kept every fucking dime I own. Absolutely. <laughs> like it was a, like the first one. Oh, Ryan Johnson killed Luke Skywalker. Ryan, jo- Ryan Johnson killed Luke Skywalker. It, like he opened <laughs> the door and it, I was like, oh, why did you have to do this, Mark? But yeah, I, I disagree with him fundamentally on everything he just said in that tweet i don't think that's how the force works and i think that he died because of the strain jerry can you just say um, something for me yeah that's not my head cannon that is not my head cannon okay moving on so not not to not to uh, knock you off the high horse that you're no on. no you're good you're good uh jo- let's talk about some episode yeah, episode. What the fuck? Episode nine news brought to you in part by MakingStarWars.net. Jason Ward. So he reports that John Boyega heads to Jordan for Star Wars Episode Nine today. We will have some set photos from Pinewood Studios as John Boyega arrives in Jordan for the filming. We're fairly certain these photos are are from Episode Nine. I'll have more about the sets confirmed in a few. Could these new set photos be related to Jordan's filming John Boyega and? is about to partake in JJ Abrams is said to usually film his movies mostly in order. So that these sets going up now while John Boyega heads to Jordan can mean that there's something though, that there's some close connectivity between the locations at the moment, but we really don't know. So he, he, he took John Boyega tweeted a picture. Uh, no Instagram story. Sorry, not tweeted of uh, like a, some sort of uh, what is that? A church or something? Uh, Looks like a mosque, a mosque. And, uh, Jordan, it's by the beach near Wadi Rum, which is making Star Wars said that they were are filming. Okay. Uh, to speculate a bit, if I had to guess, we would thinking filming at a mosque would be off limits for a variety of reasons, and John Boyega wouldn't show it of a location itself. But we could uh, see what happening is that the surrounding architecture may be something compatible with the design of the mosque. So maybe there'll be something like that they did in like they did in episode eight. The new photos we have Pinewood could interface with buildings meant to interface with the design of the mosque. And I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce that. Uh, however, most of the locations we know of in Jordan are a bit more remote. New episode nine sets for Star Wars episode nine at Pinewood. Uh, we got a couple photos here. Uh, is very Akaba is the name. Oh, okay. The first photo we have here is uh I don't know, it kind of looks like they built the set. We can't see in, but we can see around it. Then there's a second photo yeah. of the set and it seems to be rock walls and stuff like that. Uh kind of look like looks like a temple. Uh kind of like like Yavin temple kind of sort of if, kinda. You, look at, if you look at the yeah. rock stuff uh, the saucy temple yeah yeah uh then there's another one here on the left hand side uh it's just more set stuff more more like that uh we see a cargo container it's just different shots of the the bigger set that they built in pinewood and then there, here's some photos from the remote location in jordan so i'm gonna guess they're gonna go back to jakku is what it looks like to me why does everyone want to go back to jakku uh, here's a photo of Black Park after the cleanup. Okay. That's where we saw the X-Wing and Falcon and the fabricated rocks to make a pond. Here it is after the cleanup we recently mentioned. Okay. So it looks like, uh, they're definitely episode nine's right on track with everything. And, uh, it's nice to see that they're building very big practical sets like Star Wars is known for that we're able to go back to the locations that we previously viewed while previously visited in other films. Uh, I'm excited to see Jakku again. If it is Jakku. Uh, look, uh, let's, let's take a look at that photo. If you remember in episode seven, the structures are very similar. To these structures, but then again, we don't know what yeah. Tatooine. But then again, we don't know what Tatooine looks like, or this could be what the what's left of Jeddah. That's what I was about to say. It could be like the skeletal remains of Jeddah. I mean, there was a Jedi temple on Jeddah. Well, it was it got it got big dicked by the too soon, buddy. Star. Too soon. So. Uh <laughs> But yeah, that's about it. We just got a lot of set stuff from episode nine. Uh, But Jared, if you want to talk about the Mandalorian news before we take a break, uh, because we have a big interview with Dupree. What's his last name? Dupree Jones. Dupree Jones from the Star Wars Theory. So we're going to pause here. Actually, let's do that now before we get into it. Uh, We'll pause now and we'll wait for Dupree and then we'll get we'll be right back with you guys after this. 
almost got us killed. Are you brainless? I speak. The ability to speak does not make you intelligent. Now get out of here. No, no, Mr. Stay. Mr. Kojaja Binks. Mr. Your humble servant. That won't be necessary. Oh, but it is. It is demanded by the gods, it is. And we are back. So, Jared, Mandalorian stuff. Mandalorian stuff. So this is also from Making Star Wars. Um, headline reads, Star Wars The Mandalorian Micro Set Update on the Status of the Set and the Blast Doors. Where are they now? <laughs> the last few days at the filming location for Star Wars The Mandalorian has been fairly quiet. We weren't sure if they were wrapping up or if they're about to enter into another phase of set building at this location. Most of the older sets have been removed, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of visible dirt now. However, the first Tatooine-style courtyard is still there. We're talking about the one with the orange blast door. There seems to be a few of these doors, these door frames around. We aren't sure if they're changing back and forth between the pristine door frame and the destroyed door frame or what. But there you can see more of them moved aside for now. So they show the pictures and show that, you know, they're kind of swapping them in and out and in and out. Um, we've also seen a makeshift foam workshop pop up. The foam is what they've used to make that black lava type substance we've seen around the marketplace sets. But we also did see a few foam rocks also built for the tattooing styled set as well, being used like the stones were for episode nine's black park filming in some ways it might be a good sign more filming will continue at the location but it isn't clear how much they're making at this point for now all the remains of the filming location is this section and then it's just kind of like a carted off area with uh containers We'll keep you updated on the movement from Star Wars the Mandalorian the show is looking and sounding really good We're hearing a lot of chatter We're, we can't discuss at the moment but you're right to be excited if you are. Um, and then the other news out of the Mandalorian was also the little uh, set visit uh, George Lucas, the maker, made to the set as well. We're not going to talk about the other stuff that I put in the show notes in between. What stuff? The, the circling of the wagons, uh, the creature that they saw inside. Oh, I didn't even notice there were separate links. I thought it was just one giant link. I'm sorry. No, there's there's different, definitely little bullet points next to each link. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see them. I'm sorry. <laughs> just fucking with you. So the Mandalorian and the circling of the wagon. Uh, again, this spoiler shit. Uh, this is just some more behind the scenes photos from the Mandalorian. Again, there's the Black Rock again. Uh, it's hard to tell what that's being used for. Yeah. Uh. But Jason and the crew is definitely getting a lot of cool shots from behind the scenes here. Uh, recent update that a lot of red sand was brought in and it was put onto the original Tatooine set. And the ground is a bit more red to the eye than you would think Tatooine would be, which one would make one to think that it might be Solist. Uh, maybe. They took the big shipping containers and circled the wagons around the location to keep filming totally under wraps. The sequence began being filmed did not appear to be full of action, but rather one of more quiet moments as far as we could tell and did not seem to be a lot of people on the set either. So I'm going to guess it's more like a more intimate type scene. You know what I'm saying? Mm hmm. But it's cool that we get these little tidbits of stuff. Also, there was a creature reported on set that Jason got some pics of. Uh... If you want to talk about the creature, I don't even know what that is. Do you know what species that could be? Hold on. I'm trying not to click the wrong link with my sausage fingers. First creature. That, it looks like a, kind of like a Trindotian. Not like a normal Trindotian, but like the fat one from Clone Wars. <laughs> He is a thick boy. <laughs> He's a thick one. My guess is the guy's dad was one of those creatures from the fifth element, and his mom was one of the frog dogs from Return of the Jedi. <laughs> yeah, you're I'm not right. sure if we've seen this creature before with so many films in the last few years. I can't place this guy, and he might be new. We aren't sure if this creature has been in Star Wars before this point. Uh, again, he's on. He might. Uh, most of the time, I 
I was around the location today. The creature sat down next to a moisture evaporator atop of the black indigenous indigenous what say say it again. Hold on, I'm trying to find where you were at. Indigenous. How do you pronounce that? Indigenous. Indigenous. Yes, I remember. Very vaguely from a science class many years ago. I don't want to overstate the importance of the character. If we had to guess, the creature is just an extra that probably looks at someone as they go by. We also saw a couple of women in clothing, not alike. Hold on, let me turn this up. Uh, not alike, but uh, not uh, women of clothing, but not unlike his. But it was, wasn't clear if they just didn't have their masks on or if they were just humans who sh- shop at the same store as this dude. There's a couple pictures of this guy cooling off. Uh, yeah, it just looks like he just sat there all day. <laughs> there are worse jobs. Oh, uh, there's an update. I watched The Last Jedi and spotted the alien creature you reported on the other day. He's in the opening shot of the Canto Bite sequence. I bet money that it's the same prosthetic head just because why you would save money. Okay, I can see that now. I was going to say, it looked vaguely familiar, but I wasn't sure if it was the Canto Bite one. Because, mm-hmm. like, there's been a couple of the sequel species that kind of look similar. But, yeah, solid. He's one of those so ugly, he's cute kind of characters. <laughs> uh, also, uh, George Lucas was on the set. To visit Dave yes. Filoni. Oh, visit John Favreau and Dave Filoni on the set of The Mandalorian, if you want to read that. Yeah, that one. Um, I love the picture George took of the bottle. <laughs> I don't know what he was doing there, but okay. Um, you know what you want to talk about? Yeah, why does it look like he has the light on? on? <laughs> why does it look like he doesn't have underoperated camera phone? Uh-huh. There it is. <laughs> But uh, yeah, George Lucas, um, he, he visited the set of The Mandalorian. Um, Dave Filoni was there as well. Uh, they took a, a handful of pictures together. And then, like I was saying, George Lucas took that really awkward picture of the bottle while he was standing. <laughs> um, yeah. And then that started the obligatory, you know, Ooh, George Lucas needs to save Star Wars. But he vi- he visited every single movie that has been in production. Exactly. He's visited each one and he said that he's liked every one. So there's no reason to think otherwise. I yeah. mean, we really we, we've covered the Mandalorian so much. There's not really much to say. I mean, we can speculate all we yeah. want. But at the end of the day, our opinions are just opinions. And we just have to wait until the series comes out on Disney. What's it called? Disney Now. Disney Play. Disney Play, yeah. It was something like okay. that. So we got some more Galaxy's Edge crap. Uh, let's see. Uh, I mean, we're just going to keep getting little tidbits of stuff. Uh, Jason reports uh, making Star Wars a Disneyland source of ours has some really interesting information about a giant statue that is going to be placed inside Galaxy's Edge in Disney Parks. The statue features an ancient Anthorian hammerhead on it. From what we understand, the statue doesn't feature... Doc Ondar, or is the statue supposed to be really old in a monument on the two where Star Wars Galaxy's Edge takes place? But apparently it's the 10-foot-tall statue will be linked in the character and the lore, and we're assuming the connection will be something more on the both the characters being Athorians. With Doc Ondor being a prominent person to Crimson Dawn and Solo Star Wars Story, the, the criminal's connection to the statue could be nefarious. I was able to see the real statue briefly and made a sketch of what I saw. I didn't have a lot of time, and I translated the Arabesh as fast as I, as I, as good as from sight. The Arabesh writing translated to the, something like "We wither to bloom." It reminded me of the poetry on Emphasis Nest helmet that reads, "Until we reach the last edge, the last opening, the last star, you can go no higher." The mystery is what on the purpose of the poetry. Just the beauty of it is something for visitors to see while they admire the artistry of the park. I theorize will be some sort of scavenger hunt. Involved with these lines, and maybe the poetry forms a riddle to solve. We have heard rumors about how visual games like this will be in the park, but we can solidly connect any of these rumors to the piece of art specifically at the time. Uh, our sketch of the statue, you can see it here below. At the launch bay at Disneyland has been some little games with cards and Arabish translation games. Indiana Jones Ride has also games that can be played with hieroglyphics and translation cards if remembered correctly. 
So this isn't a new concept for Lucasfilm or the parks themselves. However, I have a feeling with the recent rumor that Galaxy's Edge will have seasons, they will move the story forward. These types of games might be a bit more involvement with the general lore of the Star Wars-themed land and the past endeavors between Lucasfilm and Disney Parks. Our sketch was well done and accurate and does not convey how beautiful the actual statue is. It's more authentic. It could be in a Star Wars film where a piece in Dryden Vaz's collection. The park is going to be unbelievable. A lot of things we're seeing are more detailed than actual props in the film because they'll be going under the scrutiny of our eyes. In person, Star Wars fans are in for something really special when Galaxy's Edge opens up next year. I'll tell you what, buddy. It's it's cool to see stuff like this and seeing uh, maybe more interactive stuff going into this. Uh, for real? I mean, next fall is going to be fucking lit. <laughs> yeah. There's not much else you could say for that. Uh yeah. I'm, I'm going to let you take this next story. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the next one too because <laughs> I've been following guys. this since its inception. Uh, update on the Hasbro HasLab Vintage Collection Jabba's Sail Barge. This month, October brings yet another update on the Jabba's Sail Barge from HasLab. This moment, Hasbro has given insiders a behind the scenes look at the packaging development, the monster's vintage collection collectible, including a gigantic diorama for the barge. Packaging has always been an Integral part of merchandising for Star Wars products, and HasLab's vintage collection Jabba Sail Barge is no exception. Initially, the team at HasLab referred to the original Kenner Ewok Village playset box for package design because the Sail Barge is the largest vintage collection item ever made. Some tweaks and concessions were made to accommodate more photography of the barge, highlighting its various unique features rather than including additional panels of insight illustrations. Take a look at some of the mood boards for the design inspiration for the front panel back panel as well as the top and bottom panels you can see them here they look very vintage kenner style and uh i mean it, it all it all is just really really cool and it's definitely uh very reminiscent of the ewok village uh type thing uh yeah all these photos look really really cool uh I'm excited to see this. So in order to, f- to photograph the sail barge for the packaging designs, the team created an, 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 an enormous Sarlacc diorama photo shoot set for staging. The diorama included three various varieties of sand for coloring effect at over 900 pounds. The team also wow. created a specifically designed Sarlacc tentacle, a tentacled Sarlacc as well. Ultimately, they ended up with three different images of the full barge, one of them with the Sarlacc tentacles, one without the Sarlacc tentacles, and the final image at least of la- at less of an angle. Hasbro has put together a time-lapse video of the barge's journey from the model shop to the photo. You can watch it on Star Wars Newsnet. Hasbro has included some additional photos from the shoot as well. The Sarlacc tentacles were molded individually and contained a wire that allowed the team to be able to bend them into position. Of course, Jabba's sail barge wouldn't be complete without Jabba, of course. Jabba's court of denizens, which were so many characters to choose from, but how did you determine which made the cut? There's just a bunch of photos. Hasbro unveiled the Vintage Collection Java Sail Barge at New York Toy Fair this year in all of its glory, and it's truly insane. With lots of cool features and the incredible detail, Java Sail Barge is sure to be a game-changer for Hasbro. Are you excited for the release of this mammoth Vintage Collection piece next year? Just remember, guys, this was a $500 toy. Uh, pretty much, it's going to be set up on someone's fucking shelf, packed full with three and three-quarter-inch figures, and called a day. Uh, it's an awesome piece. Definitely worth the money for what you get. And... This was crowdfunded by the fans, so don't ever forget that, that if you want something bad enough, they'll make it happen. Uh, I'm all over this story. It looks great. <laughs> this is the kind of shit but I love. We got some crazy Vader shit that happened this year. Well, not this yeah. year, this week. Uh, it kind of fucking pokes a hole in everything, but I'd like you to talk about that before we get to the Chad Vader emails. Go for it, buddy. I want to know how it pokes a hole in everything. Hold on. Okay. Uh, I'm just reading this article from Cinderland, and you'll be able to tell whenever. Well, it takes what we know and what we thought we knew and just fucking says, nope, you guys are all wrong. Here's the real reason. Okay, I thought you meant like it creates a plot issue. No. During his minutes of screen time in Rogue One, a Star Wars story, we learned two things about Darth Vader. One, the cybernetic Sith Lord could slaughter an entire team of rebels without even breaking a sweat. Two... When he's not carrying out Emperor Palpatine's wishes, he spends his time at the menacing castle he built on Mustafar. Now we've learned the reason why Vader's fortress is located on the planet where he lost most of his limbs and was burnt beyond recognition. It was because he was trying to communicate with his late wife, Padme Amidala. 
As Star Wars fans know, Padme, the former queen of Naboo turned senator for her own world, died at the, at the end of Revenge of the Sith after giving birth to Luke and Leia. With her dead, there was nothing left for the man once known as Anakin Skywalker to do but continue serving the Emperor. However, in the latest issue of Marvel's Darth Vader comic book series via comic book resources, it was revealed that by tapping into the dark side energy within Mustafar's core, Vader believed he could contact Padme's spirit. Once he first, we first saw Vader's castle in Rogue One, it was generally assumed that this was just a home away from home for the villain. A place he can unwind when not force-choking Imperial underlings and leading stormtroopers in the battle. Not so. After having been gifted Mustafar by Palpatine, Vader used schematics, schematics created by the Sith Lord Momin, who has long been dead but whose spirit lingers inside his mask to design his castle. Um, a little bit of an aside here. Uh, Palpatine didn't gift Mustafar to him specifically. Palpatine basically said, okay, you want a planet where you can just kick it and call your own? What do you want? And Vader outright said Mustafar. Like Vader wanted to go back because of how fucked in the head he is. Um, <laughs> speaking with Darth Vader from beyond the grave, Momin informed him that the castle is shaped like a tuning fork because it is one. Specifically, it's a giant tuning fork designed to read mystical pitches, various frequencies of life, and if done properly, even break through the veil of death. This would allow Vader to reunite with Padme despite her being long dead. We'll have to wait and see if Darth Vader can successfully communicate with Padme in his castle, but I suspect his efforts will be for naught. Nevertheless, it's understandable that Vader is so desperate to pull this off. Charles Soule's Darth Vader comic book series takes place right after Revenge of the Sith, so the pain of losing Padme is still fresh. That lingering part of him that's still Anakin Skywalker would do whatever it takes to see his wife again. Even going so far as to build a giant tuning fort castle to get the job done. This also provides another reason to why Vader felt the need to go back to Mustafar, the place where his old life essentially died. Previously in the Vader comic book series, Vader went to the plant, to the lava planet to bleed some kyber crystals that he killed an Order 66 survivor for to put into his new lightsaber. However, this arc in the series wraps up at least Vader it wraps up. However, la la this arc and the series wraps up. At least Vader comes out with some new fancy digs. Um, so yeah, this is really exciting. Uh, this is my favorite era for Vader. Um, it's one of the reasons why I'm as excited for that fan series as I am. Yeah. Um, I love, and I know you, you've always made the joke and I'm like, Oh yeah, what about a Vader movie? We have six Vader movie. <laughs> We have Vader Vader, and then we have him become Vader. We don't see that really weird transitional period where he is trying to purge Anakin. Um, that's why Dark Lord, The Rise of Darth Vader is one of my favorite books. Because yeah. you just get to you get to look inside of all of the the giant mess of crazy and fucked up that his head is. Um there's actually a scene in the book where he's like it's not said implicitly, but or it's not said explicitly, but it's kind of implied that Vader's like contemplating suicide at one point. Like Don't it's blame just him. fucking dark, man. It's I love it. That's why I love the Revenge of the Sith novel. That's why I love Dark Lord. Um and I love uh the rise and fall of Darth Vader very much. But this little arc is going to be very interesting. I look forward to seeing where it takes us. Um, I love the idea that aside from the whole resurrecting Padme thing, that because Vader, he, he lives inside of his anger and he lives inside of his hatred. Yeah. That the idea that he resides on Mustafar uh -huh. is just so hauntingly badass. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure it's in like one of something, one of the Rogue One source books, guidebooks, whatever, says that whenever he's in that giant back to tank, it's overlooking where Obi-Wan damn near killed him. <laughs> so like when he's in that tank, it's like a constant all, reminder. All he sees is that hill. Where Obi-Wan cut him apart, like. Dude is fucked up. Yeah. 
and I love every second of it. <laughs> and no one ever talks about how much of a fucking psycho Vader is. Like, cause, uh, cause all we see, cause he's not like Palpatine crazy where he's just laughing the whole time. Yeah. It's that like quiet, like he does shit that makes you, that, that you should be thinking about long <laughs> after you watch him do it. I agree. All right. Chad Vader. Okay. Yeah. So speaking about another Vader, uh, but back to that other Vader story a little bit first, uh, I think it's all really cool, and I think it's a really cool uh, explanation behind things, uh, and I look forward to seeing if they take it anywhere else with that, you know? Yeah. Okay, so Chad Vader emails us, as he does every week, coming on next week for an episode, uh, actually, so stay tuned for that. But anyway, greetings, lads and ladies. Your Sith Lord Chad Vader is back with another burning question. Not burning as badly as when I pee after a night with Logan's mom, but still burning. (laughs) Fucking Christ. My question is specific to The Last Jedi. Jared, settle down. Now, in The Last Jedi, we see at least part of what began Kylo Ren's path down to, well, path to the dark side. We see how Luke I deliberately don't read his emails, and I'm getting so excited. We see how Luke sends the dark side and his nephew... And a moment of weakness and doubt, considering killing Ben Solo before he became Kylo Ren. The important part of this is how it played out, and is that there are two sides to the story. Not that what I'm here to discuss. My question is, if Luke had not done this, would Ben still have become Kylo? Did Luke create Kylo? My theory is no. Ben most likely would have still turned bad. Luke may have helped this along, but there was always doubt within Ben. Luke only sensed what was already there. Sorry, this is really brief, but I'm running on little sleep and can barely keep a coherent thought process going. Until next time, I'm your Dark Lord of the Sith, Chad Vader. Okay, Chad, I'm going to shoot first before I let uh, Mr. J-Dog here go off on his fucking tangent because he's bursting at the fucking hips at this. So <laughs> I'm giving birth to this Ben Solo baby right yeah, now. Yeah, uh, I think that he would have gone down that path anyway, uh, but like you said... Luke pushed him in that direction, definitely catapulted him in that direction, to say the least. Uh, but then again, Luke had a little dark side in him, and whenever Rey was asked to to explore, she went right to the dark side also. So I think it's just kind of like they're curious of what the other side's like, kind of like the grass is always greener on the other side type uh, thing. But uh, it's quite possible so I think Kylo might have ex- might have wanted to explore the dark side, and he and Snoke would have reeled him in eventually anyway. So yes, I agree with you, Chad. Uh, so I'm just gonna let Jared go from here because I'm sure he has all sorts of thoughts. Uh, let it roll, baby. Okay, so I don't know. <laughs> that is a really loaded question. A lot of it has to do with. Um, A, we don't know entirely about what Snoke's recruitment of Ben Solo looked like. Yes. Hopefully we get um, some more insight on that further yeah. material. And I'm sure we will with like the Age of Resistance comics and stuff like that. But I don't <laughs> – I'm just trying to figure out where to start because this is there's just so much to unpack here. Agreed. Um. Kylo Ren is a creature of trauma. Um, he was traumatized by his parents' fear of his power. Um, yeah. He was a recluse. He was very withdrawn. Um, and I'm sure as any child who has that kind of power inside of them was very afraid of even his own reflection. Yeah. Um, you can see it in Kylo in the films that he is clearly in desperate need of at the least a hug at the most, a complete psychiatric evaluation. (laughs) Um, Someone who wants to be a monster. Yeah. Who's actively trying to be a scourge in the galaxy doesn't 
react the way he does to Ray calling yeah. him a monster. He's forcing himself to think that. Um, I think there's also a lot of that has to do with how much, um, and I brought this up whenever Johnny was on the show, how much he believes himself that whole era of Darth Vader thing, or if that's something Snoke pushed onto him. Yeah. Um, and that's, that, that's my biggest thing is that hypothetically, if Luke doesn't do to him what he did, there's probably a good chance he doesn't turn to the dark side. Um, I think it is a matter of the right people getting to him when it counts. Yeah. And I think his redemption going forward is rooted in someone just loving him. And I think that's all it will really take. I agree. Um, is just someone looking at him and not being afraid. Well, didn't Han and do that? Yeah, but too little, too late. You know, like Han. Han was the first one to do that. In the in the Last Jedi novelization, he talks. There's like a little mini flashback during the scene when he's in the Tie Silencer when they're attacking the Radis. Yeah. And there's a scene where he flashes back to Luke and Leia arguing about how power, or Han and Leia arguing about how powerful he is. Yeah. And like. Kylo's line when he's interrogating Rey, you think of Han Solo as the father you've never had. Trust me, he'll disappoint you. Like, Han done already fucked up. <laughs> uh, if you read the last shot novel, you get to see a little bit of insight into, into Ben's childhood. I didn't get a chance to read last shot. I'd like to. But, you know, that's what I'm saying, though. Is like... Which actually brings up another point, because in the last shot, you see that Ben has a very good relationship with Lando. So with Lando coming back in episode nine, maybe there'll be something there, too. <gasps> Uncle Lando! Yeah. Um, in, in the Raylo community, um, everybody's looking forward to Uncle Lando slapping him upside his stupid fucking head. Um, <laughs> what you doing, child? He's <laughs> like, knock it the fuck off, Ben! <laughs> Um, but no, I, 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 that's a very loaded question. Um, like I said, I think a lot of that has to do with what Snoke is doing to him. Um, cause clearly Snoke and Ben had clear, had, had interacted and crossed paths before Luke tried to fucking kill Ben. Um, which again introduces its own host of questions. What, you know, was it adversarial? What, what was the nature of that? Um, I don't know if Ben would turn to the dark side if Luke did what he did or didn't do what he did, but <laughs> but Ben, it's difficult to say without knowing that information with Snoke. Yeah, and it's also has a great deal to do with the fact that Ben Solo is already traumatized. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like he's already profoundly alone. And I think that experience is what made him feel as isolated as he ever could. I can I couldn't agree with you. Um, and I think the only thing that can save him moving forward is the loving embrace from one scavenger. <laughs> Raylo for life. Okay, well that's enough of that. Uh, <laughs> that's gonna wrap Stop. up today's show. Stop uh, before we can start talking about Raylo. Remember to listen to Do Back Discussion podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Blueberry. But also visit dobackdiscussion.net, your source for everything Star Wars. Uh, yeah. News, theories, and reviews. Views. I was like doing like a little disco dance. Also, here. like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. But that is all for today. So that's uh, TJ Bowser signing off. This is Jared, the Dark Jedi, signing off. And be sure to check your podcast feed. These episodes will probably be uploaded around the same time. Um, 
but be sure to also listen to my interview with Dupree Jones, a.k.a. Darth Vader 23, a.k.a. Darth Vader in Star Wars Theories Vader fan series. Let's see how many times I can say the word Vader in one Vader minute. Um, But yeah, thanks guys for listening, and may the Force be with you. Cue the outro, bitch! I'm booty popping over here, dude. <laughs> Oh! <gasps>